This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Hallelujah. How y'all doing? Let's everybody stand together. Hallelujah. You say, well, I just got sat down. You'll be all right. Trust me. You know, it's like a, you know, squat, you know, (laughs) deep knee bend, whatever you want to do. It won't hurt you. Trust me. Hallelujah. You probably thank me later because you go, well, I'm glad you gave me some exercise because I can still move, you know. (laughs) Hallelujah. Anyway, let's bow our heads together. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we're grateful for the privilege we have to unite our hearts together in this house. I thank you so much for the freedom that we enjoy, the privilege that we've been given, Father God, because we fear you. And I thank you, Father, for your grace in this service today, for the needs that are represented, however and whatever they may be. Because, Father God, you sent your son Jesus so that every need would be met. And so we receive what it is you provided. We thank you for it in abundance in advance. And we thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and mercy in all of our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. One more time, if you find somebody to greet and let them know you're glad they're here. Yeah, I know it's outside, but it'll be good. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, listen, good to see all of you today. I'm delighted that you can be with us. If you're here as a guest, we are especially glad that you braved showing up. I remember when uh, Dave and Patty Sorensen came some years ago. How long have you guys been attending now? 17 years. 17 years. And uh, she and David came to the church, and, uh, and of course, you know, we greeted them and started talking with them, and and so I was talking to David, and I said, so how did you uh, hear, or I mean, how did you hear about the church, or how did you decide to, to come to the church? And he goes, well, you got a sign out there. <laughs> it says church, so we came, you know. You have to know David. He's pretty, you know, <laughs> to the point. But that works, you know. A lot of times people will be invited. So if you're here as a guest, we're, we're delighted. Maybe you've just uh, started coming. Maybe this is the second or third time, but... Uh, we're glad you're here. Uh, we are a, a people of faith, people that love God, serve God, and are seeking not only to uh, do His will, but know it. And uh, we're excited about the future that we have as believers. There's you know, a lot going on in the world, but thank God He said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Hallelujah. And so we have the privilege of being able to trust Him. And uh, uh, it is a privilege, it really is. It's, it's not something arduous. It isn't something, uh, you know, that seems to be so demanding. Um, He deserves our trust because he is everything that he says he is. Aren't you glad for that? Did y'all bring a Bible with you this morning? Let's get into the Word of God. I I got way more uh, things I want to talk about than I have time to do it with. And so if you'd open your Bibles to Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. We're going to use a particular opening of Scripture familiar, I know, to many of you as our text for today. And um, as I said, um, it's difficult sometimes to try to unpack some of the things that you want to try to communicate with folks uh, uh, because you want to try to get as much to them as you can. And at the same time, there's always a threshold as to (laughs) how much we can absorb. So I just asked the Lord, I said, you know, why don't you just like cherry pick this thing out of here and uh, 
Let's just give them the best part and what it is that needs to be said and so on and so forth. Now, I want to, before we start, I want to mention to you that we are going to uh, offer an invitation for you. If you have an illness or sickness or something of that nature, you'd like to be prayed for toward the end of the service, we're going to afford you that opportunity. The Bible says that they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So we're not the ones that does the healing, he is. But what I'm gonna endeavor to do is put you into a position for you to be able to receive what he has provided and I'll you know, unpack that as best that I can so that we can all be in a place of faith and so that you can receive your need met, hallelujah. How many of you know he wants you to be well? And, and that's not only true in, in the context of healing, there are many things which God has provided for us as his children. After all, he's our father. And he's taken a father's place, praise God, to meet whatever the needs are that we have. Paul uh, echoed this in his letter to the Philippians. He said, my God, not somebody else's, but mine, the only true God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So uh, he's a wonderful father. Praise God, I tell you what, we are so blessed to know him. And uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But anyway, uh, so we're going to pray. We're just going to act out the word of God that says they shall lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that we'll just simply be adding our faith together with yours and believing him for whatever it is that you need. So and um, so you can just, you know, if, if that's a need that you have in your heart, really, you know, listen well uh, to what it is that we're talking about here, because it'll bless you and it'll help you. And praise God, you'll probably end up getting healed. Hallelujah. So anyway, Mark chapter 11, verse 22, Jesus made this statement. Jesus answering said unto them, his disciples, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. Hallelujah. Today, I, I've entitled this message, <laughs> I've been all over the place even on that. You know, I wanted to talk to you, uh, entitle it, The Faith That Takes. Or we could say, How to Receive from God. And the reason I say that is, is because truth is, is a lot of people are suffering needlessly with whatever it is that's going on in their life because they don't know how to receive from God. And so my intention is, is to, to, to communicate that to you as best that I know so that you can put yourself in a position to receive whatever it is that you have need of. And, and again, people struggle with that, and the reasons are many. Uh, one of the reasons, they're not sure about whether it's the will of God, whatever their need might. Does God want to bless you? Does God want to help you? Does God want to give you peace? Does he want to give you wisdom? Does he want to heal you? All of these things. Lots of folk are unsure. So until you get into the Word of God, which is the will of God, and find out from the Word of God, not what somebody else thinks or what it is you've heard or, you know, been taught or whatever, but what the Bible says, when you discover the will of God, then your faith begins where the will of God is known. Not what is thought to be true, not is what you might consider to be true, but what you know is true. But again, a lot of folk, they don't, they don't 
seek that out very much to find out. Also, a lot of folk, you know, they've, they've learned or they've taught things that are absolutely erroneous, you know, religious teachings and stuff. You know, well, God used to do that back then, but he doesn't do it now. I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, stuff that people get in the weeds about. But the truth of the matter is, is again, the Bible is the will of God speaking to us. So you can know what the will of the Lord is. Hallelujah. And you can be glad for that. And then, you know, there's another aspect where people, you know, they start out believing the promise of God. You know, they read the scriptures, they get all excited about it and say, hallelujah, you know. Well, then they get down the road a little bit, and in the middle of it all, they they decide, well, it must not be God's plan for me. And the reason is based upon, you know, circumstances or whatever it is that they are looking at has changed. How many of you know God's will doesn't change just because yours does? Huh? No, it's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So <clears throat> those are things that we have to, hopefully we've, we've got through some of those things and we understand it. But, but uh, there are two particular stories in the scriptures, especially in the New Testament. The first of which is uh, Jairus. You can look at it sometime, Mark chapter five. Uh, the Bible talks about the fact that during uh, Jesus's ministry, and he had come back, I think, across from uh, uh, Gennesaret or the... Uh, <coughs> Galilee and had come back and the Bible says that there was a religious ruler that met him named Jairus and the Bible says that he fell at his feet and he basically prayed or begged or however you want to put it uh, to come to his home and minister or heal his daughter because she was sick near unto death. The Bible says that when he did that Jesus he's what Jairus said was simply this if you'll come then she'll be made whole. So he had faith knowing that if Jesus would show up, she'd get healed. Well, so he started, they said, he said, let's go. Where you at? Where do you live? And they're making their way to his home. And in the meantime, he was interrupted by the woman with the issue of blood. And she got her need met and she was healed by the power of God. And as soon as that had expired or had finished or whatever, uh, right on the heels of it, someone came <clears throat> from Jairus's home and said, why trouble us the master any further? Your daughter is dead. Now, on the front side, before we met the woman with the issue of blood, he was excited. Why? Because Jesus was on the way, and he was going to minister to her, and she was going to be healed. He was excited. He had faith, okay? And so afterwards, after the woman with the issue of blood, word came, a message came from the house and said, this is an impossible situation. Your daughter's dead. Just forget it. Well, the interesting thing about that is in the middle of that, Jesus turned to him and said, you know, they really don't know what they're talking about. I mean, you know, I don't know if I'd really give much of a, a consent to what it is they're saying. You know, I just, let's, let's go on and let's see what happens. He didn't do that at all. He just turned to him and said, fear not, only believe. And the Bible tells us that at that point, now this is an interesting thing because not everybody's got faith. You know that, don't you? At that point, he didn't allow anyone else to follow them except Peter, James, and John. See, they heard it. The crowd heard it. And you know, whether you like it or not, you know, there are a lot of folk that are just full of unbelief. And when they don't believe, then they impact the outcome. And so it's interesting to me that he just said, uh, you stay here, you three come with me. So there's five of them that are walking together. They get to the house, you know the story. She's... Um, She's uh, passed physically. 
She's in the house. Everyone's witnessed her death and everything. They're weeping and wailing and doing and going on, whatever. And, and Jesus just said, why, why are you doing this? She's not dead. She's alive. Well, the Bible says that they laughed him to scorn. First of all, they, you know, just derided him. And then pretty soon they were just upset that he would even say it. Well, you know what he did with all of them? He got rid of them, too. Huh? I said he got rid of them, too. And the only other person that went into the room where that girl was, was mom. So there's six of them in the room, and he, he ministered to her, and she rose. And they were all astonished. The other five, it was like, wow, man, hallelujah. The Bible says that all things are possible to him that what? Believe. Believes. Amen. And so she was made whole. So that's one incident, and the reason I bring that up is, is that in the middle of his believing, there came a bad or evil report, which could have, you know, upset the apple cart where his life was concerned. And Jesus said, just stay in faith. He didn't say it that way. He said, don't be afraid, only believe. Keep on believing. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. And then, you know, there was another uh, incident that we're familiar with, and that's Peter when he walked on the water. He said, if it's you, Jesus, bid me to come. Well, he's not going to deny himself. He is who he is. He says, come on. Gets down out of the boat, starts walking over there. And again, he starts seeing everything around him. His senses begin to take over. And he begins to what? Sink. Sink. Any of you ever been there before? Everything, look. you know, you're looking at everything. You're going, doggone it, this ain't looking good. Well, it might be you're looking at the wrong thing, obviously. And thank God in his mercy, Jesus reached out and said, why did you doubt? You know? And they walked back to the ship together. Well, thank God. For, how many of you are glad for his mercy? Yeah. yeah, amen. Praise God. We can all get in that boat. Hallelujah. But my point is, is that, again, there are times when we start out, you know, uh, doing well, but then we get to the middle of it and the circumstances or the situation or the whatever, the things that we feel and, and so on and so forth, they become overwhelming. Um, <clears throat> right now, okay, I want to talk to some, I don't know if it's one or more women in here. I'm, I'm being interrupted. Is that okay with you? Yeah. But I want to talk to, to some, I don't know. I think I know, but I don't know. Uh, young gals, um, there's a desire that you have in your heart to have a companion. And having a companion is a wonderful thing. But you need to do it his way and not your way. And I'll tell you what the temptation is. The temptation is because you're lonely and because you're really, you know, wanting to have a relationship with someone that if you're not careful, uh, you'll, you'll settle for anybody or, it, you know, not anyone, okay? But, but what I'm telling you is this, that God has a plan for you and it's a good one. And there, your life is filled with purpose and destiny and that is what you need to focus on. Don't compromise in your life where God is concerned. Sometimes it does take long, but listen, I'm telling you, don't allow the sense of being alone or loneliness push you in a direction that, that really you don't wanna go and then you settle. 
You stay where you're at. You say, well, yeah, but how do, I, how do I deal with these feelings? What I'm telling you to do is to take your life and move it in a direction that is God's plan and purpose for you. Di- discover purpose in your life and let that be your ambition. Let that be the thing you're, 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 you're pursuing. And on the way, Boaz is going to show up. You know who Boaz is? Remember Ruth and all that? If not, read your Bible and you'll figure it out. Because you don't want to do that. You know, if you settle and you compromise, you could end up in a relationship that, that you don't want to be in or, or, or you settle or whatever. See, the Bible says that we're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. There are a lot of people out there. But I believe that God has a good person, a, a, the right person for you. I'm not saying that there is one person. I'm just saying there is a godly believer. So don't, 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 don't. <laughs> Sound like somebody we know. Okay, uh, anyway, um, but I'm just saying stay the course, focus on your life, and, and it, you know, the pursuit that you have uh, to go somewhere, to be someone, to accomplish something, and, and, and let that be the thing until this comes along. And don't yield to, you know, while well, I'm alone and I don't want to be alone and whatever, because someone will come along and accommodate you. Hell will find somebody to show up. And you don't want that. Are you listening to me? And if you're really struggling, uh, find someone that you can in confidence uh, sit down and say, pray with me. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I got this thing going on. I've got a challenge. I've, I, I have a, a battle that I'm having to fight. Okay? And uh, so whoever that's for. All right, back to Jairus and, and Peter walking on the water. Hallelujah. You know, the main thought that I want to communicate to you today is how to take or how to receive what God has so graciously provided. How many of you have ever been in an example or uh, in a situation where, let's say maybe it could be your daughter, uh, could be someone else's daughter, and, and you're the one that's wanting to give them something, you know, but they don't know you. You know, maybe they're three, four years old or something like that, and you got something you want to give them and say, hi, honey, you know, uh, uh, I'd like for you to have this. Well, immediately, because they don't know you, they're kind of withdrawn and kind of sheepish about accepting, you know, and maybe dad's standing there and he goes, no, it's okay, honey, you can take it from him, you know, and so, you know, she reaches out her hand and, and, and she takes it. Well, I think sometimes where people are concerned, believers, they're a lot that way. They're the child, and God is offering them something, but they don't really know him, so they're, they're kind of reluctant to actually reach out and take or receive what's being offered to them. Does that make any sense to you? Okay, and, and I think sometimes because, and, and here's the context of that. So many times people, chil, uh, children of God or believers or, or Christians are waiting on God to do something for them or whatever the case might be instead of receiving what's already been made available to them. Now, we'll talk about more about the uh, aspects of faith in this, but I just want to unpack this. Matter of fact, I kind of want to go on a little bit of a side journey about relationship. And um, faith in God, we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, but what are we hearing when we read the Word of God or when we study the Word of God? Well, we're, we're discovering who God is. We're finding out 
what his will is. In other words, his nature, his character, those things are all revealed here. Are you with me? And the fact of the matter is, is that faith comes as a matter of relationship. The more that you become acquainted with him, the more confident you will be in what it is that he has promised or what it is that he had said he would do. It's kind of a natural kind of thing. I would, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you need to know him, who he really is. Again, not what somebody has, or maybe even what your thoughts are or whatever the case might be. Here's something um, um, that Paul said. He said, the things that, you know, what things were um, gained to me, I have lost or put away for Christ, for the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And he said, I've suffered the loss of all things that I may know him. And a lot of Christians really don't know God. They may know God in salvation, but that's, you know, sometimes that's all the further it goes. Thank God I'm saved and going to heaven, not going to hell. And they just kind of go down the road and they never really have a good relationship with, with the Lord. And how many of you know he wants you to have one? Now, I know it takes effort. You know, there has to be some time spent in order for us to really get to know him. But you know, in human relationships, think about this with me. We're all in this, in this, this boat together. Um, there are some people we know. Uh, here just the other day, so I was talking with someone. And they said, uh, do you know, and they named a certain name. And I said, well, I know of him or them. I know of the family. But I don't really don't know them. I, I've heard of them. So again, you know, some people we know, some people we know of, others we know more closely, and then some we know very intimately, very closely. We know everything about, you know, how they think and feel and how they, they live, and, and I'll, I'll pick on Pastor Brian and Rachel here, you know, since they're sitting on the front row and that works, you know. But I would like to think that they know each other pretty well. Why? Because they've been married They know, they know each other pretty well. Anyway, <laughs> but they, they have, uh, they've been married for a while and, uh, and they knew each other before that. Why? Because they're intimately acquainted with one another. They've had conversations. They know what one likes. They know what the other one doesn't like and different things like that. Well, let's just say that somebody comes along and there's an accusation that's made against Brian, and, and maybe it's directed toward Rachel, and she'll, she would say, well, I know that's not right. You say, well, what do you mean? That's what I heard, you know, and blah, 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 blah. And she would say, well, I don't care what you've heard. I know him, and that's not who he is, and he would never do that, okay? You, you, you tracking with me? The same thing's true in our relationship with God. People blame God for all kinds of things that he's not the author of. You with me? You know, so you, you, you have to come to a place of really knowing. In other words, somebody in this scenario that I've created with them is questioning his integrity, okay? They're saying, well, he's this, he's that, and she's saying, no, he's not. You know, are you with me? You know, in our relationship that Joan and I have with one another, I don't have any problems with wherever she is or whatever it is that she's doing. I don't have any reason whatsoever to concern myself with that. But why? Because I know her. 
I know who she is. I know that, you know, she, she's got a lane that she's going to stay in, and that's the end of it. Are you listening to me? Now, some people don't have those kinds of relationships, and I do feel sorry for you. You know, because I'm telling you what, in a married relationship, we are heirs together of the grace of life. And we are one together. And, and uh, I, I do, I feel sorry for you that you can't have the kind of a relationship with one another that God, well, you can, <laughs> but you haven't chosen. Some people, you know, they, they, they hold back. You know, they don't want to risk. You know, they got burnt maybe somewhere else or whatever. And, and my hope would be that we would, you know, walk down that road and figure out our differences and, and be able to trust. Are you with me? And that's a whole nother uh, subject probably. But, but, but faith is about relationship. You look at the, all the Old Testament characters and even the ones in the New, you know, Peter, James, and John, you know, people say, well, what about Peter, James, and John? I mean, they're, they're always being mentioned. Well, there was something about the relationship that they had with Jesus that was different from Bartholomew and whoever else the rest of you. You don't even hear about them. There's only three that he took with Jairus. Why? I believe it's because of relationship. They're all in. Are you with me? And not that the other nine or whoever weren't. Well, we know Judas wasn't, but you, you, you get it, you know? Um, and so uh, it's, a, it's about relationship. It, it's, it's about being trusted and trusting, okay? It's about, well, it's personal. It's very personal, you know, to be able to have a conversation with him. It's about integrity. It's about character. <clears throat> it's, it's about qualities that embrace what is right and just and good and, and wholesome. That's the kind of relationship that God wants because that's who he is. And that's how he wants you to be. And thank God we can do that. Everybody say, I sure can. Yeah, you sure can. Now, you do maybe have to make it a priority. But, but here's the thing about it. A lot of Christians have... Uh, a relationship of consumerism. Now, I didn't name any names, so just keep looking straight ahead, and nobody will know I might be talking about you. But it is true that the relationship that many have is, cons in other words, what can I get? And it kind of, it, it takes on this appearance. I need something, so I guess I'll go have, you know, pay him a visit in prayer. Well, the Bible does say no good thing will he withhold them from them that walk uprightly, you know. But I think sometimes we miss the whole point about this relationship that we're supposed to have with him. Does this make any sense to you? Okay. So having a relationship with God, is it, it's more than just knowing God in the context of salvation. A lot of times Christians, they get saved, but they don't grow in their relationship with him. They just kind of, okay, hallelujah, I'm so glad I'm not going to hell. Well, you should be. But you know there's so much more to it than that. And he wants to have that relationship. It's about interaction. You know, it's like, oh Lord, I just heard about this one couple and they're having this problem and I just wanted to lift them up before you and I want to ask you to intervene. I ask you to help them, help minister to their need. Why? Because you have a relationship with him, okay? So it's about interaction, it's about conversation, it's about our conduct, our action. You know, uh, Joseph said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? 
He was so conscious of God that it would not allow him to do something that he knew would be inappropriate or disobedient to him. So it is about obedience. It's about, you know, think about Enoch. But we don't know that much about the cat, but the Bible says that he walked with God. What's that mean? He had a relationship with God. And so the Bible says, you know, he walked with God and he was not. For God took him. You know? Now that is tight, baby. Are you listening to me? But that's the kind of relationship because of what Jesus has done for us, hallelujah, you know, that, that he wants us to have. So we become acquainted with God through the word of God, by the Holy Ghost. And, you know, I'll give you an example. If you're constantly dealing with thoughts of condemnation, you don't know God. Now, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction, okay? You know, if we've done something wrong and we know it, the Holy Ghost, well, actually, our spirit is dealing with us to get things straightened up. You know what I'm talking about? But if you're feeling, if you have thoughts of condemnation, well, you ought to be doing better than this, or you should be that, or whatever the case, that's not God. Because there is, therefore, now, no condemnation, no condemning sentence against those that are in Christ Jesus. So until you learn, this isn't God. You know, are you listening to me? Uh, matter of fact, just the other day, um, I was just minding my own business and I was going down the road of life and all of a sudden this thought occurred to me. And I stopped in my garage and I said, that ain't God, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. You know, you, you understand? The Bible says to guard your heart with all diligence, for from it comes the issues of life. So, so if, we, if we come to know him, I can tell you right now I'm in trouble. But anyway, if you come to know him, you know, um, then you automatically, you know, you will, how would you say, um, police your thought life. And when stuff starts coming your way, you just say, well, that, that, that's inconsistent. That, no, huh? that's not right. That's not him. Are you with me? And so then you can resist it. You know, you have to resist it. Oh, God, take this away. No, he's just telling you to do something about it. Huh? Put the devil under your feet. Because that's, he's the author of that mess anyway. Hallelujah. You know, it can be fear, it can be anxiety or worry, all of those things, you know. You know, when you read the scriptures and it says, uh, <clears throat> be anxious for nothing, never be worried about anything, you say, well, that's just not possible. Well, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you go and just jump in the middle of that and say that you can't do that, is the Bible true or not? Well, I got about six people that agreed with me. No, the Bible's true. And if it tells you that you don't have to be filled with care, worry, and anxiety, then, my friend, you don't have to. And the only real problem here is not with God. It's just how we process. And so we just got to get that changed. Because the Bible says to cast all your care onto him. Why? Because he cares for you. So it's not yours to bear. Jesus made that statement, come to me, all of you that labor are heavy laden, and I'll give you more to worry about than you could ever imagine. <laughs> no, he said, and I'll give you what? Rest. Take my yoke on you. Learn from me. For I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. 
Hallelujah. So if you're here today and you're all knotted up about something, thank God I'm going to untie those knots and your rope. Well, I'm not. You are. Huh? You know, I'm going to help you. But at the end of the day, you're the one that has to do it, right? You're going to cast your care onto him. Hallelujah. So it's through the word of God that we become acquainted with him and by the Holy Ghost. So, so that's my, my little side journey on relationship. Now let's go back to the whole thing about receiving from God. The fact is that many uh, Christians, they just don't know how to receive from God. Notice again in our text, Jesus made this statement. It's, it's couched within the circumstance of his cursing the fig tree. They were staying in Bethany, and for three days, you know, prior to his, his crucifixion, uh, he would go into the city, and he would preach, and then he would stay. I'm going to guess he might have been at Mary and Martha and Lazarus' place, okay? I don't know that, but I know that's where their home was. That's probably where he felt um, loved, secure, uh, whatever you want to call it. So he would spend his evenings there and then go back in uh, during the day. Well, on one day, he was hungry, the Bible says, and he looked at a fig tree, went to see if he could get something off of it. Time of t- figs weren't, weren't, wasn't there. So he cursed the fig tree. He actually just spoke to it and said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, and the disciples heard it. Now, <clears throat> you say, well, Jesus is kind of mean, isn't he? I, I, I really think it was more a matter of just being a teachable moment for them because of what it was that God was trying to put into these men. So they come back the next day, and Jesus calling to remembrance what it is he said, seeing that it was withered, the leaves had all died, and different things. And he said, hey, Jesus, the tree that you cursed is withered away. So in that context, Jesus said, have faith, have faith in God. How many of you know you can have faith or confidence in your heavenly Father? He really wants you to. Hallelujah. But you, it's, it's your decision. He went on to say, For verily I say unto you that, again, whosoever shall say, Unto this mountain be thou removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe. Everybody say believe. believe. Yeah, believe that those things which you say will come to pass, you shall have whatever you say. When Jesus cursed that fig tree, nothing apparently or physically could be seen that anything had changed. But that thing dried up from the roots and died by the next day because of the heat of the day. During that day, it was dead. Are you with me? So the command of faith, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, brought about an end result. And it was because whosoever shall say and not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have. Everybody say, shall have. So there's this time lapse between the command of faith and when the manifestation comes. There is a time lapse between when you pray that you believe you receive and the manifestation comes. And that's most of the time where we miss it. Because we pray and nothing apparently at the time changes. And so we decide that God didn't hear us or it wasn't his will or whatever. And none of that could be further from the truth. Am I in the right place? So therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, desire is that which is born out of need, maybe finances, maybe healing, maybe whatever it is, what things soever you desire, when you pray, 
when you pray, when you pray, believe that you have received when you pray and you shall have them. And most of the time, that's what, that's where, that's what throws people. They say, well, you know, it must not be the will of God. Again, there's a lot of different things because we don't immediately see something. New Living Translation says it this way. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it at the time when you pray, then you'll have it. Then you'll have it. The uh, um, English Standard Version says, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Let's talk about the nature of faith here for a little bit. Y'all doing all right? Take a great big breath right now. In, out. One more time. In, out. Okay, I just want to get oxygen to your brain so you'll stay with me. Hallelujah. The nature of faith, knowing what faith is, knowing how faith operates, so important. People won't take the time to, to discover these things, you know. Well, I ain't got time for that. Yeah, but you got time for your boat. You got time for your motorcycle. You got time for your airplane. You got time for your whatever. And not, not that any of those things, you say, well, I don't even have an airplane. Well, you got something, okay? Give me a break. <laughs> I, my point is, is that, that sometimes we have to set back and say, you know what, this is the most important thing or priority in my life. I'm going after this. Okay, I'm going to get to the place where I understand what I need to know so that I can, you know, enjoy it, knowing how faith operates. And here's the thing, you know, we are so bound by the sense realm, everything that's around us. Uh, and, and so we end up saying, well, you know, nothing's happened. So I don't know. I guess I don't, you know. In other words, we won't believe until we what? See. Oh, yeah, God, you're great. Hallelujah. Well, you know, when you first get started, God will give you a little grace and he'll, he'll but you know, uh, Thomas, he was one of the disciples. Remember him? And what did he say? We call him Doubting Thomas, don't we? He said in the scriptures, except I shall see the print of the nails in his hand and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, before you go throwing a bunch of rocks at Thomas, none of the rest of these cats believed either. If, you know, when Mary and the rest of them came back from the tomb, they said, he's alive, we've seen him, the master. And they go, yeah, right. You know, Peter and John, they ran all the way out there, didn't find anything, they're still in no man's land. Okay, somebody stole him, you know, conveyed him away. But, you know, when he walked in on them, that pretty much... Uh, <laughs> That was it. So before, you know, we get after, you know, when he said, Thomas, behold my hands and, and, and my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Well, why was it that he was, why could he, um, um, why could he take that posture toward them? Because he told them many times that he was going to be crucified, and after three days he would rise again. But it went right past him. It's kind of like when he says, you know what, I will supply all your need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And you go, yeah, right, I'll believe that when I see it. Mine the right house? So there's no condemnation here. Don't, don't get all knotted up because I'm sharing some of these things with you. We're, we're here to learn. 
what we're going to do next time is we're not going to do that. We're going we're to appropriate faith in the situation. But P, uh, Thomas wanted to see before he would believe. Faith believes in what is unseen. Okay? Faith deals with the unseen. Now faith, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance or it gives substance to what we hope for. It serves as the evidence of what we do not see. And then you can read through the entire 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews of God, people, women, ladies, guys, that had faith in God for things that they presently could not see. So we have a great illustration of what faith is in that context. So let me say it to you again that, <clears throat> you know, that... Uh, what do I want to say? What happened? Somebody took my notes. Um, oh, faith believes in what is not seen. And uh, let's, let's say this. I'll give you this example. Did you know that I cannot hear Joan's perfume? Why? Because with my hearing, I cannot sense the smell, Right? But if I get over here next to her, <laughs> yeah, baby. Why? Because I'm using a sense that allows me to be able to verify, validate, or whatever it is that you want to say that she's got perfume on. I can't see her perfume. I might watch her when she applies it, but otherwise I don't know it through those senses. Faith is like the sixth sense and it serves as the evidence in your life of that which you cannot or do not see. Hallelujah. So I have to have perfume before I can smell it. I have to have faith before I can be healed. I have to have faith before I can um, receive whatever it is that I have need of in my life. If it's peace or whatever, I got to have faith to do that. I have to have food before I can taste it. I have to have healing before I can feel it. All right? So faith means that we are convinced of what we do not see. So think of it this way. The blessing of God exists in two forms. It exists in the uh, visible and it exists in the invisible. Okay? Case in point. When Elisha and his servant were surrounded by the Syrian army in the Old Testament, the, the servant went out and he seen all these uh, chariots and, you know, the armies and thousands of uh, people that were coming after Elisha. And <clears throat> he came back and he said, dude, we are in trouble and we got a problem. And Elisha just said, listen, there's more that be with us than be with them. Yeah. And he says, yeah, right. 10, 20, 30,000, one, two. How's that work? Okay. So he said, Lord, open up his eyes so he can see. And so God opened his eyes to the spirit realm, and he seen the chariots of fire and the hosts of heaven and all of the angels. Okay. And you know what the outcome of that was. The point that I want to make to you in that is, is that um, his ability that God gave to him to see into that realm did not create the armies of heaven. The armies of heaven were already there. 
The Bible tells us each and every one of us have an angel. Have you ever seen your angel? Chances are reasonably good none of us have. But yet right on the other hand, you got one and you ought to thank God because he's probably kept you alive. God only knows how many times. <laughs> are you listening to me? So, so, so again, the blessing of God exists in two different forms, visible and in, invisible. You can't see it, but it still exists. Healing belongs to you, even though you may not be experiencing it in your life. Are you all doing all right? Okay. It, it, this is what we have to understand that, that we're using, again, I say this, a different sense in order to receive what it is that God has provided for us. Abraham, when his son asked him, he says, you know, we got the wood, we got, the, we got everything, you know, and this and that and the other, ain't no sacrifice. And Abraham said, God himself will provide. That's, that's a statement of faith. Are you with me? So um, my faith is the title deed. I would say it this way. You know, right now, I don't know, it's all over with and it starts all over again, but you know, the lottery was like a gazillion dollars. You know, 1.5 billion or something. Well, one morning, you know, we hear the news and they say, somebody is a winner. So the guy's got the ticket, she or he or whoever's got the ticket, and they may be totally unaware that they are now gonna live a whole different lifestyle, okay? And, um, <clears throat> but the point that I want to make is, is when the numbers come up and they have the ticket at that moment, that person is a winner, even though they're still fluffing their pillow and trying to get all comfy and get a, a few more minutes in before I have to get up. So they get up and they look at the numbers and then they look at their thing. And then all of a sudden they realize I'm a winner. Well, even at that point, they got the evidence. The guy said somebody won, they got the evidence, but they still don't have the money, all right? But as far as they're concerned, baby, it's theirs. They believe that they have received, huh? Isn't that right? Title deed, you wouldn't probably do this, but I mean, if you went out and bought a house sight unseen, you went down to the lawyer's office, signed all the papers, they give you the deed, even though you haven't seen it, it's yours, okay? Why? Because you have the proof or the evidence in your hand that that house exists and it belongs to you. Your name is on the end of it. Are you with me? Same thing's true with faith. We just need to believe that what it is he's provided is ours in the name of Jesus until the manifestation of it comes. Does that make sense to you? So, you know, um, if I believe something, then of course I'm going to act accordingly. For example, uh, I'm trying to hurry, but... Uh, Joan and I, God spoke to our heart about starting this church. And I got to tell you, dude, that it was not socially popular on any level. And yet God had spoke to us to do this. And um, so we acted accordingly. We began by speaking with our parents, and then we started telling people that we were going to do this, you know, and uh, with, without you know, saying, hey, you got to come help us. We didn't say anything like that, you know. But the word gets out and everybody, you know, this and that and the other. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that we're, we're going to begin this church and yet we have no uh, materiality in any way, shape, or form that it exists. But he said, this is what I want the two of you to do. And we said, yes. 
So what we do then is, you know, <laughs> people say, how are you going to do that? You know, well, um, we're not very old and we don't know a whole lot, but we just believe that God wants us to do it. So we don't really know. And I'm sure that really infused confidence into the person who even asked the question. But, you know, so how are you going to do that? You know, you don't know what you're doing. You don't have a church. We heard this. Who's going to back you? What organization is going to support you? We ain't got one. I went to Bible school. They gave me a certificate and said, adios, baby, good luck. The Lord be with you. <laughs> that was it. But thank God you can do anything if he tells you to do it. Are you with me? But th those are questions, you know, what organization is going to support you? You know, how are you going to make a living? Well, I'm going to go to work and we're going to put our hand to the plow and we're going to build a church. You, you with me? We don't have anything. We don't have an organization to support us. We didn't have a building. You know, we met in Daryl and Nadine's house to start with. Okay. So sometimes you just got to put your foot in front of the other one and say, you know what? We're going to do this because the Lord spoke to us to do it. You know, and, and that same principle applies to anything in your life. God promises you a wonderful marriage. Huh? He's the one that ordained it. He said a man shall leave, leave his father and mother or be cleaved to his wife and the two of them will become one flesh. And then he gives us some other instructions about loving our wives and hus or wives respecting their husbands, all these different kinds of things. So you have to make a decision. You have to say, you know what? Uh, my will here doesn't really count. His does. So whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing, I'm going to conform myself to what it is he's asked me to do. Now, I don't care what she does or he does, but I am going to do what he said. Huh? And he said he would make good on his word. So that's, that's the functionality of that whole thing. And if you do that, then you can be blessed. Now, there's a lot of other, you know, practical applications of communication and forgiveness and, you know, the list is long. But you can have a great marriage if you want to. So stop fussing. All of you that are fussing. You know? I could say it more bluntly. Shut up. Because <laughs> what you're saying isn't helping anything anyway. So why don't you start saying what he says? And if you can't say nothing good, don't say anything at all. Amen. Oh, boy. Gosh, this is so good, Pastor. Hallelujah. Okay. So in our case, you know, we didn't have a uh, congregation or anything. They said, that'll never work. We came out here. They said we were a cult. They said, yeah, that'll last for a while. And, and I got to tell you, dude, from the natural, it was impossible. We had a 9,000 square foot building, 10 acres, cost us $1,500 a month. We couldn't keep enough heat in the building to even keep it warm. We were spending like, I don't know, some unbelievable, I can't remember the number, but it was like, uh, it was like pouring water down a rat hole when it came to propane, because we couldn't heat it. So we got thousands of dollars that we're having to spend on all of this, and we got a congregation of 50 people. And then you got all these people, you know, they're all running around like <laughs> chickens with their heads cut off, because they don't, you know, they don't know what they're doing, they don't know what they're believing, you know. Some of them are excited, some of them are ticked, you know. I mean, you got all kinds of stuff going on, and yet all the time, God is saying, build the church. And you know, you, you, know, you, you got all this stuff going on. 
And how do you just stay focused because you got people that are coming in, they may not be saved or maybe they're newly saved and they got a lot of rough edges and they got all kinds of ideas and they got stuff and I mean, and are you with me? Well, just because it seems impossible, with God all things are possible. And by golly, you know, <laughs> we seem to have made it. I mean, in that context. Thank God it's not over with yet. Huh? When we uh, built a new sanctuary that you're sitting in and enjoying here for the last uh, 21 years, I remember that battle that we had. The Lord spoke to us. And, and again, we're a smaller congregation. Maybe, I don't know at the time if we'd had 250 active members, but we're going to build a building that's going to cost us a million and a half dollars. Well, I think we had maybe 400,000 or something like that in the coffer. How many of you know that there's a space between 1.5 million and 400,000? Huh? And you got these people, you know, and they're supporting, they're giving, they're participating, you know, and so on and so forth. But so, but yet we had this in our heart. We had a need. How many of you know God will give you the desires of your heart? What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. So, you know, we had we'd built the other building, this and that and the other, but here we go. So what we did is we determined that we had faith for, you know, um, uh, raising 600000 borrowing, I think we borrowed, what did we borrow? Anybody remember? Six. We bought, we borrowed, we, we borrowed six, and we had three or 400000 in the bank, okay? And we had faith for that because we believed that if we could generate an additional 6000 through a stewardship campaign in a three-year period, and that's the other thing, you know, and you shall have it. We started back here. It took us three years to do the, the stewardship campaign, and we generated the $600,000. And by then, you know, in three years, we had a little bit more. So we may have had a million bucks in our pocket, you know, as it goes. And then, and then we borrowed the five or 600000 from the bank because then we had to service that. How many of you know you have to service your debt? Okay, but that's what we had faith for. And you know, you know, a lot of times people say, well, you know, unless I got all the money, I ain't gonna do it. I, I don't know, you know, I think maybe you need to rethink that a little bit. I mean, you know, some people have uh, taken out of context the scripture that says, oh, no man, anything but to love him, okay? Sometimes it can be to your advantage. You know, when interest rates were two and 3%, dude, that's dirt cheap. When my wife and I got uh, married, interest rates were 12 and 14. Now we're here, seven and a half, eight, or whatever it is right now, but I'm getting off my track, and I don't even have time to be doing this. But anyway, you know, um, that's what we had faith for. And guess what? You're sitting in a manifestation of that. Now here again, you know, in the middle of all that, we got down to where we were getting ready to build a building. The architect says, well, you know what? Our estimates come in at 2.1 million. We said, no, no. The number is 1.5. They said, well, you'll never get it built for that. And we said, yes, we will. Why? Because that's what we had faith for. And so we had someone else come in and re-engineer this building, and we saved $400,000. Well, we're heading the right direction. Are you with me? These, these fixtures <clears throat> in here 
We wanted to have dimmable lights. They wanted to put in uh, fluorescent fixtures. And at the time, this is 20 years ago, they were 96 bucks a piece. Well, start counting them. There are a lot of them in here. And so, you know, that's what they wanted. So what, what did we do? We went to some electrical shop and says, we want an incandescent fixture that will be able to, you know, dim and this and that and the other, and we need 120 watts out of it or whatever it is, and blah, 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 blah. And we bought these fixtures for, I don't know, 19 or $25 or whatever the case might be. So little by little, and this and that and the other, and guess what? We built a building for how much? A million and a half. Because those clowns come back one time later and they said, you know, we, we've been doing some more estimating and we really don't think that 2.1 is enough. It's actually going to be 2.4. Well, I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because they're not helping. So what am I saying? Well, in your life, you have needs that you have in your life, things that you desire. You know, and the thing about it is, is you've got to listen to the right voice. And you've got to keep your eyes on the right thing. And if you do, then you will receive. What did he say? What things soever you desire, when you pray, at the time when you pray, what are you to do? Believe that you receive. Not on the basis of the way you feel or, you know, whatever it is, whatever uh, natural sense mechanism is telling you otherwise but rather you say, I believe that I receive what it is that God has provided for me at the time when I pray. And so then what do we do? We start thanking him. Lord, I'm so grateful. Glory to God, you're meeting our needs. Hallelujah. But I want you to, again, let me, let me, let me get back to this because there's this time lapse thing you need to know about. And that is simply this. You know, like when we lay hands on you <clears throat> for healing, those of you that desire it, you know, you need to, at the time when we pray, release your faith and say, Father, I believe that I receive. When pastor and missus lays hands on me, I'm going to receive what it is that you have provided for me. Amen. And you said in your word that whatever things I desire when I pray, believe that I receive them and I shall have them. Okay? So there's always that deal between when we pray and, and the manifestation. And when the manifestation comes, then thank God you don't have to uh, you don't have to f have faith for it anymore. Why? Because you got it. Huh? Does that make sense to you? Let me share uh, to close here before we pray for people. Hallelujah. Your, your responsibility is to simply believe you receive. Amen? I told you before, I can't heal a gnat's wing. I'm, I'm not the healer. He is. Right? I'm only doing what he told me to do. He said, you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I believe that. Amen. I believe that there'll be those that have instant manifestations of healing when we pray for them. There may be others that, that, that maybe they don't, but it doesn't make any difference. I believe that everyone that we lay our hands on has received what it is that they need. Okay? And then we're going to go from there. So, you know, God made this statement. He said, I won't put any diseases upon you, for I am the Lord that heals you. So any kind of infirmity. You remember the woman that was bound for 18 years? She had a spirit of infirmity and could no wise, you know, raise herself up. He said, you are loosed from your infirmity. And she was healed. 
So, so <clears throat> he is the Lord that heals us. The Bible says that, that God sent his son Jesus, and in so doing, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that came upon him was for our peace. And then it goes on to say, and with his stripes, we are healed. The stripes he bore, he took for you so that you wouldn't have to be sick. The Bible says that when the evening was come, they brought to Jesus many that were possessed with devils. He cast out the spirit with his word and he healed all that were sick. Sometimes the devil will tell people, well, it's just not God's will for you. I'm telling you this morning, it's his will for you. It is his will for you. He's no respecter of persons. You can be healed just like anybody else. But see, if you've, you've thought that, and again, sometimes people will not have confidence in God's, you know, ministering to them the healing power of God because they're living under condemnation. They don't really what it, they, it's, it's kind of ambiguous. They don't really know what the condemnation is, but it's there. Well, if you're feeling condemned, you can't have confidence. Somehow or another, I don't know, you know, I just, I'm, not, I'm not feeling that I'm right with God. Well, why don't you pray and why don't you ask the Lord, say, God, this is what's going on. I want to get this straight so I can have confidence toward you. Huh? And then if you know that it's condemnation, then you can just rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Now, they, it says uh, himself took our infirmities. He took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And with, again, his stripes, we are healed. The Bible says, uh, Peter said, he uh, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on a tree, that being dead to sin, we should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are or were actually healed. So healing belongs to us. Can you say amen? So I'm going to ask you, invite you to stand with me, if you would, please. And then again, um, um, if you are, uh, by the way, Linda, you can come. But if you're in need of healing, I want you just to make a line across the front here facing uh, the front of the sanctuary, about four foot away from the front of the uh, platform here. And uh, again, my wife and I are just gonna, I, I mean, there might be two of you, there might be 10 of you, I don't really care. You know, if you're, in, if you're here, we're gonna, we're gonna get you healed, hallelujah. Yeah, if you just come right on up, I don't bite right there, that'd be good, okay? If you need healing in your body, Let's, let's just come and, and uh, how many of you want to believe God together with me for God's healing power where these folks, are, their lives are concerned? Let's get what they need. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> okay. Praise God. All right. Good. Good, 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 good. Hallelujah. Can I ask you to go down there? Yeah. And could you, you want to come right here? Just give you a little bit so you don't have to go quite as far. There we go. Hallelujah. Praise God. Isn't this precious? So good. Hallelujah. We're going to look to the Lord and uh, we're just going to trust him. You know, like I said before, I'm not the healer. He is. And so let's just believe God together, shall we? Okay. So here's what I want you to do, those of you that have come forward. What I want you to do is I want you to just close your eyes, block the world out, and forget about everybody else that's around you. And then Jonah and I are going to pray a general prayer, and then we're going to come and we're going to lay hands on you. 
When, when we lay hands on you, all I want you to do in your own heart is just say, Lord, I believe that I receive my healing right now, okay? Now, we may linger with some more than others, but we're just going to keep it moving. Sometimes we'll have an impression to, you know, sometimes it just takes a little while for people to, to actually receive. you got to receive it, okay? And so uh, you just say, I, not only will you say in your heart, I believe I receive, but you'll open yourself up to his healing power to affect the healing and cure in your body. And when that happens, then we've got it. Amen. It won't, it won't matter how much differently you feel or don't feel, you've got it. Are you listening to me? Okay. So we're going to start down here on this end. We'll make our way that way. Hallelujah. Amen. I feel impressed just to start right here. Okay. Let's everybody close their eyes. Block the world out. Get ready to receive. Heavenly Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we lay our hands upon this woman. And I thank you, Father, for your healing power to drive every sickness, disease, and infirmity from her midst. <laughs> there it is. That's it. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we lay our hands on her. Yeah, there you go. You got it? Yeah. In the name that's above every name, we lay our hands on her. Hallelujah, we believe that we receive in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your healing power. Yes. Yeah, there it is. There. Yeah, that's it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Uh, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Yes, we believe we receive right now. Yeah, amen, 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 amen. Yep. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Father, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's it. That's the anointing. Before we dismiss, there may be some other things that I want to just do a general prayer here. Uh, why don't you go ahead and be seated? I, I know we're taking up a little bit more time, but just um, um, I want to have a general prayer with you. Uh, there may be other areas. Healing may have not been what it is that you were in need of. It might, it, it might be wisdom. It might be resource. It might be peace. I don't know. But whatever it is, uh, we can pray a general prayer. And there's no reason why you can't leave here today, you know, with, with whatever the need is met, okay? And, but before we do that, I want to mention one more thing. Those of you that were in this line, um, Whatever you felt or didn't feel has absolutely no bearing on what it is that we just got done doing. What matters is, is that you and I together, we believe that we receive the need met, okay? So it, it, it really has, and, and I know that that can, um, it can throw you because you, you still feel whatever. He said just to believe you receive, with me? Jairus, the daughter died, you know, so the feeling of loss and all of those things certainly was flooding his entire being in his soul. But when they got there, God brought to pass what it is that he said he would do. Are you with me? Same thing's going to be true with you. You don't have to worry about anything other than just thanking him. All right. So bow your heads with me for a moment. Say this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you have provided everything 
that I will ever need. And this morning, Father, you know my needs and I bring it before you. And you said in your word that I was to believe that I received my desire when I pray. I'm praying, Lord, and I ask you, and I believe for my need to be met in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Now, one more thing, if you'd bow your heads with me for a moment. I want to give you an invitation, and I don't, you know, this hasn't been our subject, but you may be someone that's here and you've never ever really made a decision uh, to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. So you really don't, I mean, you really don't know him. I was in your boat when I was 18, 19 years old, and I didn't know him either. But I made a decision to receive him as my Lord and Savior, and he changed my life forever. And I'm not talking about religion, I'm talking about having a relationship. And the Bible makes it simple that if we come to him, he will for no reason turn us away. So if you're here this morning and you've never made a decision to become a follower of his, I wanna give you that, that opportunity. So while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, if you're here and you're not really a, a, a believer in the sense that I just described, and you'd say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? I have an interest in your prayer. Can I see your hand anywhere? Anywhere at all, anyone here, you, you, you're not a believer, but you wanna be. All right, very good. You can all look up here at me now. Aren't you glad you came today? God's so good. And I tell you what, feed on some of the things. You know, if you have to, uh, grab the podcast, watch it on YouTube, you know, and, and rehearse what's been said, okay? Get it down on the inside of you. Sometimes, you know, again, you know, it's like trying to take a drink out of a fire hydrant sometimes, you know, you know, firing away on all of these things. And so it'll give you an opportunity to really meditate and think about what's being said, that faith begins where the will of God is known and that we're talking about two different realms, the visible, the invisible. They exist in both. We're just bringing what we need into this and so on and so forth. So, you know, take some time to do that. Amen. And uh, you'll be blessed. Can you say amen? All right, you can stand again with me. Another one of those deep knee bends. Back up you come. There you go. Hey, listen, we love you guys. So, so grateful. Uh, guys, if you haven't signed up to come to the men's event uh, tomorrow night, please do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, share something. I don't know. It'll be good. I think, uh, I think I'm going to entitle it Thinking Forward. And... Uh, you know, as men. So anyway, if you uh, can make it, come join us. 6.30, we'll have something good. What are we doing? Chili and cornbread. Chili and cornbread.